A1 Good Investing is not qualified to give financial advice. No part of this episode should be taken as advice. The content of A1 Good Investing is information and opinions. Information, including financial data and derived figures, may be inaccurate. Hello and welcome to another episode of the A1 Good Investing channel. On this channel I just show you guys my practical examples of fundamental analysis I look at companies mostly in Malaysia, but also uh, different companies around the world, and I show you how I look at their uh, the industries, their management, um, quality of earnings, capital allocation, and valuation, and we look at it from a perspective of individual investors who are uh, investing our capital in things that we think are valuable, and we think that that's probably the best thing that we can do in terms of um, influencing the direction of society and, and making the most good in the world, I suppose. So you can listen to this on Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can read the report at my website, uh, a1goodinvesting.wordpress.com. And today we're going to be talking about a company called Bajaya Corporation. Bajaya is a conglomerate. Uh, they're the main investment vehicle for um, the well-known tycoon Tansri Datuk Vincent Tan, and he's basically been buying companies under the Bajaya Corporation vehicle since 1984. This particular investment thesis or this company is in a, in a stage where they're kind of in a turnaround phase. Uh, there's lots and lots of complexity in this company. So the major investment thesis is based more on betting on the jockey, I suppose you would call it in the new manager they have, a gentleman called Jalil Rashid, who has communicated some quite um, effective sounding strategies in order to turn this company around. Um, they've got a lot of value within the company that could that is not included in the share price and could be unlocked. There are $1.2 billion market cap. Um, as I said, they're in a transition period. By size, the by revenue, the businesses in this business are motor trading, then gaming or gambling, I suppose either we can call it either one, I think we'll call it gambling throughout this presentation, uh, consumer products, restaurants and cafes, property and hotels and resorts. But there's so many businesses in this company. They are a conglomerate, meaning just a mix of diversified businesses, but they're trying to move towards being a corporation, which is more they want to be a business with verticals and segments that can work together more effectively. So some of the businesses like education and uh, like they have a lot of little experimental development businesses that are either performing poorly or they're going to be removed in the future under the leadership of Jalil Rashid. They're a little bit of a lower risk company because of their enormous size, because of the value of their assets compared to the market cap and because there's a little bit of diversity in their earnings obviously coming from a number of different businesses. Uh, they, the, the advantage I guess in a company like this is that they can grow margins through synergy, right? Like they can share resources and share space to, to get, be more efficient and create cost efficiencies um, and create growth through sharing information and having really good insights on the market. But also the big worry in conglomerates is that they stagnate, meaning there's too much in the business. You can't keep track of it, it's not focused. There's too much administration going on, not enough 
um, plan strategic growth and obviously as a business gets bigger it's more difficult to grow revenue on a percentage basis just because each each percentage is worth more and more and more so yeah that's what the Jaya are and first as always I will talk about their industry so they are a conglomerate and a conglomerate as I said it's just a combination of big businesses and there's the trade-off between diversification and synergy versus a lack of focus and the inefficiencies that can come out of being a conglomerate. Uh, the, the, that's why they're trying to go from being just a vague conglomerate that's just got lots of businesses into something that's actually trying to work together and kind of have some value to being such a large company. Otherwise, why wouldn't they just be a bunch of different companies? But yeah, the conglomerates, um, they were really popular a little while ago and they're becoming less popular. There was a period of time when it was very uh, lucrative to purchase undervalued businesses and combine them under the same heading and people were getting massive ROIs. Berkshire Hathaway was a bit of a conglomerate, I suppose it still is. Um, but these days it's kind of gone out of vogue and conglomerates are less of a um, pursued thing, mainly because they get too big and they're too hard to manage. Um so yeah, I will go through now just just the major individual segments in Bajaya and I'll just talk very quickly about the value they provide to customers, the competitive environment and the influences on the, on the business as well as the margins of those businesses. But it's not really effective for me to go through every single one of the businesses in Bajaya and talk about their industries um, because there's just too many of them and it doesn't add value for me to do that. It's better for, for everyone to have a look at themselves. Um, so yeah, they, they can be group, grouped into basically consumer-facing businesses we'll start off with. And consumer-facing businesses, 60% um, of their revenue comes from individual consumers like you and me, although in Malaysia. So people who buy, buy things under the category of essential needs such as uh, food, they sell lots of food products, lots of consumer goods like health, like like um, just things you buy at a supermarket. They sell housing or property as well as hotels and resort style stuff and they sell recreation based things. So golf clubs, um, hotels and resorts to a degree and the gambling segment is also rec recreational. And so yeah, these are all just things that individual retail customers are purchasing. The value these provide, obviously, is just the fact that they are essential needs. Um, the competitive environment, it, all of these industries are highly established, highly reliable businesses. Competitive environment in these, yeah, they're all in very established, very reliable industries, quite slim margin, margins and quite difficult to get an advantage um, without having some special advantage to succeed like a uh, special synergy or some special brand power which they have in some of those consumer facing businesses. Uh, the gambling segment, value it provides customers is recreation. People just enjoy that as an activity um, and the competitive environment in gambling is very safe because it's it tends to be, like especially in Malaysia, they are one of the only ones companies that are legally allowed within regulations to do that there's some uh, cultural pressures around that because gambling is 
prohibited by Sharia law and Malaysia being a Muslim country, people um, don't want that. But it's a popular enough activity and it provides enough recreational value to consumers that it is allowed to this degree where it's highly regulated and the competition for Bajaya Corporation is quite low and they're quite safe in that aspect. Major influences on the gambling segment are basically the economy, but more it like the sentiment within the economy. So it's how, it's how good people are feeling about um, gambling and about having fun and spending that extra money. So when sentiment is good, they make they they can do lots of draws and make lots of money and lots of people are participating. However, when sentiment is poor, as it has been throughout COVID, they've both been restricted. They haven't been able to do as many individual draws, which are like the the way they go out, and they and people have just had a poor sentiment towards it, so they haven't participated as regularly. Uh, and the other influence is just that regulatory influence. Right now, it's fine, but in the future, you don't know whether some a politician's going to come in, and there's going to be a political wave or a social social wave that causes the regulations around gambling to change. But yeah, the returns in this gambling segment are quite good. It's very uh, cheap to run. The machines are very simple, but they have to be very um, reliable. If you think of a game, a gambling machine, it has to be absolutely unhackable and work every single time in the same way and they make those machines but they make them so that the house always wins so they make very good returns on those they also make voting machines because it's the same style of thing it's those very simple machines that are unhackable in a way or very like that they're very safe and simple and easy to use but anyway that's the that's the gambling industry um, and yeah, that last industry I've, I've categorized is HR Owens, which is their luxury car segment. And what they do is they sell elite luxury cars in the UK. So it's not in Malaysia, it's in the UK. Obviously, Vincent Tan um, decided to pursue that investment and just bought up lots of those. Um, so the value that that provides to the customers it's that elite level of luxury and status. There's a there's a level of beauty in those cars. I don't know, it's difficult to explain why people value luxury cars, but I guess the main point is that they are considered very valuable and actually hold their value very well. They're a little bit like art. And if you've heard recently a lot of people talking about how art is such a good investment, luxury cars are a bit similar. And that, that business has done very well over the past um, couple of years during COVID. The competitive environment and dealerships are restricted by the local region. You've only got so many people who are wealthy enough to purchase these luxury vehicles in a certain region. So you tend to have people that are dominant in the region. In Perth, we've got that Barbagallo or whatever they're called. Um, but yeah... There's also an element of trust, loyalty, and good relationships with customers. You need you also need relationships with the dealers and the car makers because there's a lot of maintenance that goes into the it's like the after sale stuff, and so you just have to be be maintaining a certain level of quality to sell the cars and undergo the continuous maintenance. So that is a little bit of a barrier to entry, and the competitive environment in luxury cars is pretty good. 
the biggest influence. It's like gambling, but at a different, at a higher, even higher level, where it's an a, a an economic uh, discretionary spending kind of thing. And yeah, the margins in luxury cars are pretty good too. Um, they can be a bit sporadic, so they can have really good years and not so good years, but generally they earn more than most car style of car dealership because you're working with a more premium product. Um, obviously it costs a lot more as well. It costs more to sell these things. The overheads are higher because you're moving less volume, but and, and you need a more premium level of service and a really nice luxury style um, selling environment. But yeah, the margins in HR Owens are quite good and I think it's going to be one of the businesses that they want to hold on to, um, one of the industries that they want to continue to, to uh, participate in. All right, so yeah, that's, a, that's a, a rough look at the industries in which they operate. It's, it's the best I can do given there's so many of them. So yeah, we'll look now at the management of Bajaya Corporation. As I said, they're founded by Tan Sri Datuk uh, Vincent Tan. And he's, he's kind of characterized by the really great deals that he made over the years, a little bit like a Warren Buffett or something, lots of unconventional swaps, lots of just really great deals where he acquired good companies. Um, he, he brought McDonald's to Malaysia. Uh, he brought the Sports Toto, or that's the name of the gambling operation. He personally owns uh, all the 7-Elevens in Malaysia, although they're not in Berjaya Corp. And Starbucks is another big um, step that he made. And yeah, they mostly occurred within Berjaya. But the peak of, of that um, era for Berjaya was in 2010, when the company when a share of the company was worth one ringgit and 70 sen. But since then, the company has been a little bit bloated. It's kind of dwindled down to the where it is today, where it's only worth uh, 23 sen. So over a fifth, about the fifth of value or something like that. Uh, Vincent, uh, Tantri Daduk Vincent Tan is now stepped back to be a non-executive but he still owns about half the company and his son and daughter are board members. But in 2021, he, instead of appointing one of his family members to take over, he appointed a gentleman called Jalil Rashid and we can see him in the image here. They're standing together. Um, Jalil was previously the CEO of Permodalan Nasional which is the government funds, the government investment fund for Malaysia. And he was there for one year before he switched over to Bajaya. So it's not clear whether he, why he left, but it may have been just because he got a great offer to go to Bajaya Corp. Um, before that, he had significant international kind of investment experience. Nothing incredible, but just a, a lot of high-level international investment experience and he was hand-picked by um, Tantri Vincent. Um, apparently they they connected over football which is a, a passion of Tantri Vincent and they were talking about Bajaya, they were talking about football, they just formed a relationship and he was seen as just a really good 
person to take over the company. And so he came in um, in 2021. He, he so far has been an exceptional communicator with shareholders. Uh, you definitely have to watch some of his presentations and see some of the things that he's written. He writes on LinkedIn. He's just he just off the bat off the bat has appeared to be a very good communicator, and his strategies look pretty good as well. So yeah, keep in mind that everything is in a transition stage due to Joel just coming in. Um, but right now, as it stands. The average age of the directors is good. They're average 56 years old, so there's a good amount of youth, and Jalil himself is a, is a younger man. There are too many directors currently. There's 14. They all have ex- excellent backgrounds, excellent education, very high level, obviously, because it's very high level. They can afford to get the best people. The salary and remuneration and stuff is concentrated within Vincent Tan and his family and a couple of long-serving board, board members. Um, but it, it really does exceed the current level of success at the company. So I think remuneration be, will be a target for reformation. Uh, alignment with, among managers is very strong and among the boards very strong. you got the family connections, you've got the founder still present, although not the uh, executive anymore. Uh, very high levels of shareholding among the family, especially Vincent Tan, 25% of the direct common shares, lots and lots more interest in other subsidiaries and different different methods of shareholding like warrants. Jalil himself owns 3.7, uh, 3.63% of the common stock of Vijaya, so alignment's very good. But yeah, as we said, the um, the cha- changes are incoming, mainly in the whole Bajaya holding company um, method. The subsidiaries are try they try to be run independently, but there is going to be a theme of leaning down, cutting unnecessary fat, and creating synergy. But yeah, so that's just a brief little look at the management but i'm not going to go into it too much just because it's definitely going to change right now it's just overall a little bit bloated so yeah we'll we'll go into the actual strategy of the management so i'll just talk quickly about the historical strategy which as i said was there were vijaya was a vehicle for buying great businesses and making good deals under tantry vincent uh as i said unconventional swaps acquisitions of out of favor businesses um, with high liabilities that he turned around. That conglomerate um, idea of creating a diversity and a corporate cooperation between businesses was a theme. They they move in and out of businesses quite frequently as investors rather than um, operators, and. The limitations of this historical strategy were obviously a lack of depth and a lack of focus in a lot of the businesses leading to kind of inefficiencies. There's just such an overwhelming amount of information to form a strategy going forward. When I was thinking about Bajaya and their management, I was it made me think about curling in the Winter Olympics just because that's been on. And in curling, you've got the... The, it's, a, it's a strategy game and a little bit of skill, but you're 
you're pushing a stone down a field like a bowling alley field where you're trying to hit a target and get your stones the closest to the target because you've got another team member but it's very complex and you need to be you need to be strategizing about where you want to place the, the stone and then once you roll it you've got to be they, they have sweepers who clear the way for the stone and impact the direction that it's going in and the the kind of leader or the captain is the person who decides where they want to place the stone but also has to call out to the sweepers as to which direction they need to focus on because there the sweepers literally cannot look elsewhere they have to be looking at the stone because if they're not they're going to hit the stone and be disqualified so they physically cannot work on the direction the strategic direction of the stone while simultaneously working by doing their job as a sweeper so in the same way businesses need to have a strategic leader conglomerates especially or corporations as Bajai is moving toward they must have a strategic over overseer and then the individual operators it's just impossible to incorporate to do both things at the same time the human brain does not have the capacity to do that and so Bajaya Corporation have that they, they need a little bit more of that model rather than just having the operators and the overseer being completely separate in the past decade or so they've really struggled to make decent returns even though before that they had some really good results so yeah there is a new strategy coming in under Jalil and I've just pop popped some of his slides from his presentation which was was given through Bursa Malaysia which is a great initiative where they communicate their the um the presentations to shareholders but in yeah I'll, I'll just go through some of his slides very quickly the first major theme uh is consolidation so that's going to happen structurally both the management and the board are going to be consolidated as in slimmed down and having unnecessary people cut uh, and also having better incentives for these people they're also going to consolidate assets they're going to work to use that to pay off debt because they have too much debt right now. Um, there's lot, and there, yeah, there's lots and lots of this involved. But if you can see this slide that I've got right here, the 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 current value is 1.45 billion, but the sum of the parts is 2.5 billion. So it's all about just unlocking the value and having it work together to reach more of the true value. Of, of what they have in the business. Um, Toto, the gambling operation, is a key area for reform. Either that, the, the commonly recited thing is we want it to be a Sharia compliant and ESG compliant business, uh, as in Bajaya Corp on the whole, and that can't occur with a gambling operation. However, there's absolutely no rush according to Jalil, to get rid of this gambling operation. It's just something they're going to do. Um, it's such a high-value business that you're not going to get rid of it for anything but an appropriate price. Uh, this is just also like a quick view of how they want to restructure. So just having Bajaya Corp holding at the top and then the four segments and then the pillars, which are how they... The, the operational teams that are used within 
across the segments to contribute their um, expertise or, or that method of, of operation being run across the segment in a certain way under the Bajaya brand, but happening within those individual segments that are aiming to be autonomy, autonomous uh, in the end, but need a little bit of work right now. Jalil said that the biggest problem right now is that they need to kind of improve a lot of the poorly performing businesses. It's seen as improvement is seen as a priority because there's a big distinction between their really good businesses like Starbucks, they own all the Starbucks and HR Owens, which provides great returns, and the some of the hotels and resorts in, especially in developed markets, have done well. But then there's there's segments that are simply not being run well, and so the execution of those segments is contingent on how how Jalil can start having some control in the poorly performing businesses, and then execute what he thinks needs to be done to improve the overall returns of the business. He's on a few of the subsidiary boards that are poorly performing at the moment and then trying to just allow the, the good businesses to keep going as they are. The um, Jalil was handpicked by uh, Tantri Dato Vincent Tan, as I said, and he yeah, as I said, he was either handed in some way or bought an enormous number of shares. At the same time, I read that um, Vincent Tan transferred, sold a lot of exactly the same number of his shares. So they might have been given at a discount or something. But in any case, he has a lot of shares and he's very well aligned. And he's, he's hence rewarded not by giving favours or some favours that Tantri Dutta Vincent Tan may owe to people or just the things that slow down the businesses in terms of wanting to keep people around because you owe them. Jalil is just a far more objective figure to run the company. He's not influenced by these past things. He's influenced by his massive shareholding. It's just easier than, than uh, Vincent Tan trying to do so. You really, you really have to watch some of his presentations and form an opinion of him because a lot of this thesis for Bajaya is contingent on Mr. Jalil Rashid executing properly um, into the future. So yeah, let's look at the quality of earnings now. I've got the result from 2021, which is far more COVID affected. And I've got the result from the last quarter, although that's in different segments because things are a bit different. But things have improved in the hospitality, especially. They're still making uh, a loss in total, however. There's, there are many, many different businesses, and I'll name a few of those as we talk more about the company, but the most reliable of these businesses being kind of Starbucks, Krispy Kreme. They have a big uh, resort called Bajaya Times Square, which is a kind of iconic. HR Owens, the luxury car deal dealer, and the gambling operation. They're all very good businesses that can deliver good returns. Especially restaurants and cafes have done very well in the past five years. They doubled uh, income or revenue in, between 2016 and 20, 2020 and they tripled that in 2021. Financial services, 
is a good provider of income, although that's quite contingent on economic market conditions. Uh, their consumer goods segment, Causeway, it's runs on very tight margins, which and it, it's to a level where it's not really worth having that business unless it can perform. But being a retail business, there's it's a it's a well known big established mart like stores, and so there's lots of change happening in that space where you, whether you're talking about e-commerce or like we see with Amazon with the automatic stores where things that you purchased automatically on your card as you walk in. Just there's lots of avenues to improve the retail shopping experience. And so if that gets done well, then Causeway could improve a lot. Motor trading and property are also good businesses. They're both, uh, I saw they're common because they're both based on very firm underlying assets, being property that appreciates in value and those luxury cars which appreciate in value. A Ferrari from five years ago is still an enormous asset. And finally, that, that gambling business is just a very good provider of returns, although it is under an ESG threat. It's, it's a good business that can that if in isolation, if that was the whole of the Jaya, it would be a far more valuable company. Another strength of all these good providers of earnings is that there's a bit of diversity there, both in the fact that a lot of that occurs in Malaysia and a lot of it occurs overseas, so there's geographical diversity. Um, the most being consumer facing, we're talking about millions of individual com customers like you and me, so you're not reliant on uh, big customers, there's less risk. However, it is obviously a little bit exposed to uh, broad economic conditions, but that's also, it's necessary to be exposed to single kind of markets if you're going to have synergy. It's very difficult to have synergy while still having very diverse sources of revenue. And uh, as I said, they, they also have uh, different risk profiles in their earnings. So when you think about the customers who buy luxury items and luxury cars, and Starbucks is a bit of a luxury item compared to more of the other consumer-facing stuff, which is a more common um, thing, there are different risk profiles of, of goods and different risk profiles of re uh, revenue. So yeah, in theory you can have a little bit of synergy between the businesses. Uh, they have an education uh, segment and you can use, you can train your professionals within your business in your own education business, which Bajaya have done. You can share logistics, you can you can have more buying power if you're buying the same goods from different segments. You can have management crossover. Things like financial services can, you can use those financial services within your business. Telecommunications are the same thing. Data is probably the biggest one where they've got a lot of data that informs the management about market trends before it becomes well known and they can use that information to make better decisions and also use that data going forward in a more technological sense to advertise and sell better better things. However, the recent returns have been obviously very, very poor for the whole past decade. They've been bloated, they've been inefficient, and maybe they're a little bit too comfortable. Administrative costs were $1.5 billion in 2021 compared to $7.4 billion of revenue. Some, some businesses were underperforming 
And because they're businesses that the company have bought, they that creates an impairment, meaning that they bought the company for a billion dollars. However, it's it's performed poorly, and now that business is only worth five hundred million dollars. So you rip uh, five hundred million dollars worth of value out of the company and out of that year's profit based on the impairment devaluation of that business. That's been a massive factor in in their poor performance recently, and it's just hard to see. With that, it's hard to make the case that synergies are being properly exploited at this stage. And then additionally, COVID has severely impacted hospitality and gambling operations. As I talked about, the sentiment has been poor. So both of those things have been affected. So yeah, overall, the quality of earnings is mixed. They have very some very good businesses with potential for synergy and some good diversity, but they have some poor performers that need to be cut. The end goal is consistent profitability. It doesn't need to be even over kind of 10% for this to be a good, good value investment, but they, they just need to get maximum value out of their um, massive assets that they have. So really now, um, Bajaya Corp is an exercise in capital allocation. And so that's what we're gonna talk about now. So first I'll talk about their financial stra uh, financial strength just to get an idea of what kind of capital that they're working with. We can look at the table that I've got. But they do they've got just large assets in, in land and buildings, investment properties, land for development, vehicle stock, um, the rights to the, the gaming operations. They're quite valuable, a little bit of cash. They've also got a substantial amount of debt at five billion ringgit worth of debt. The the idea is that that debt will be cut in half as part of their strategy, but that's the main issue right now with their financial strength. The they need to sell things in order to make some moves going forward and actually buy anything. Uh, Acquiring new businesses has been the major activity at Bajaya. That's their major capital allocation activity. They've got to focus on making good deals when the seller is stressed or they can just buy something for a lot less than it's worth. But going forward, it really needs to be more about making deals and buying companies that will work and create synergy because it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore to just buy a business and let it run. They need to buy businesses where they can actually create a synergy because they're in these segments where you just certainly need to have some special synergy to get ahead and even compete and to even earn a profit. That's just the state of the state of business and the economy right now. So yeah, in terms of investing in core capacities, they selectively will allocate value uh, money to, to, to businesses that they perceive would benefit from expanding the core capacity. But really, I think it should be organic, that they should only really be investing in core capacities that they, they shouldn't have to invest in core capacities. It should be within that business already because that business is doing well. But yeah, they do a little bit of investing and that's... That's kind of how conglomerates can go wrong and lose value is by instead of beefing up their strong businesses, they're, they're taking away from those businesses and putting it into things that are performing poorly. 
But anyway, dividends occur under no specific policy uh, and they aim to implement a dividend policy. Mainly that's for Bajaya Corp, the holding company, to receive value from the subsidiaries. But also a dividend policy regarding shareholders will also be valuable in making that investment valuable to us as we look at it. They paid no dividends since 2016 in any case. Uh, they have used buybacks to pretty good effect, especially recently. Uh, management thought the company were undervalued, and so they bought two back, uh, buybacks that yielded 2% in 2019, 10% in 2020, and a further 3% in 2021, which was it's a very good immediate use of capital at the time because COVID really restricted them from A, performing at their best, and B, even making deals and doing what they like to do, they weren't able to do so because people weren't selling, like people up weren't, weren't doing very much activity in that area because sentiment was so low. So yeah, there's no significant dilutionary activity that occurs within the business. Uh, they, yeah, they've had very poor returns on invested capital for the last 10 years, but they have had very good success in the past. So I guess it's all about using those methods of capital allocation to return to a, an adequate level of returns on invested capital. Um, so we'll see how they do with that. All right, now we'll talk about valuation. This is the main reason I like the company as an investor. Immediately we can see that they have $7 billion of revenue compared to $1.2 billion market cap. If they were Apple and they were earning 30%, that would be a P of one. However, they're not Apple. But if they earn a 2% profit, that's a P of 10. The 10 year median keep free cash flow margin is 2.5%. So even in more recent history, that looks achievable. Gross profit 10 year median has been 31%. So yeah, it just makes it look very likely they can earn a, a percent on 7 billion to make uh, their valuation look pretty pretty good. The underlying asset looks very good, far in excess of their market cap, even by the most conservative valuations. Even if we eliminate all the other assets, which is not firm, tangible assets, the net value is still 30 or 40% above market cap. I guess the market is assuming that most of this value will be eroded because otherwise it makes no sense or that it will never be a return to shareholders. But from what I've seen from Mr. Jalil Rashid, it really looks like this will be um, remedied and that this value would be, be unlocked at least to a degree that warrants the share price significantly increase, increasing. They need, I think patience will be a big part of that just because they, need, they, need, they can't do it right now given the market conditions. And I guess maybe that's part of it. If the world, if things continue going a bit poorly in terms of the geopolitical outlook, then they might struggle. But they just, if they can just correct to a degree where there's just some level of profitability and survive for a little while and then sell off those assets at a time when they're getting the appropriate amount of value for them, you just see some, some really good results relatively to where they are right now. Uh, yeah, even if they sell half their assets and revenue goes down to half that value, they still only need to earn 
5 or 10% to do a lot better than where they are right now. A lot of this is just based on Jalil executing and I guess given his incentives and the objectivity that he has, it, it looks possible. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's a lot of, that's pretty much the major thesis for me for, for Bajaya Corp. I had here that they have a conglomerate discount as well. So if they can become not, uh, it, it still happens even if they're not a conglomerate by the way that they talk. Um, there'll still be a discount and they'll always, they'll never be valued more than I'd say like a 15 or 20 PE, but they're definitely worth more than 10, I think. Just because if they can trim their bad businesses, their good businesses can probably return at least 10 to 15% profit, which is enormous considering that they make 7 billion worth of revenue, even if it's 10% of 4 billion that's enough to substantially increase their market cap. So yeah, that's about all I know about Bajaya Corporation. Hope you enjoyed this week's um, company analysis. It's a very tricky one, this one. There's so much complexity in the business and you can research it forever. It's really placing a lot of faith in, in Mr. Jalil Rashid and his ability to execute. But as far as safety goes, it's okay. There's a lot of assets in the business and they've got very diverse earnings and I don't think they can go too far below that. They're already valued very low. Um, so yeah, that's it for this week. My name's Gregory Peck and this was the A1 Good Investing channel. Uh, look at my website, a1goodinvesting.wordpress.com. Listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts. And until next time, thank you for listening.